Perfect. Yeah. We're ready. <laughs> Already to a great start. <laughs> so my name is Bhavan Patel. I'm a product manager with the AWS Storage Gateway Service. I'll be kicking off the presentation today and will be representing the work here of the Storage Gateway team. I'm also very delighted to have a customer join me on stage, Analog Devices, and specifically Pat Kofi from Analog Devices to talk here on their journey to the cloud for backups. And we also have a third presenter in the session, Mohammad Adli, who is Global Solutions Architect out of our UK offices, to do a demo later on in the session. So are you stuck dealing with ovens, crates, trucks, and tapes? If so, you have come to the right session. In this session, we'll show you how you can modernize your cloud backups using Tape Gateway. And before I get started, let me take a quick poll of the audience to understand how many people here are familiar with the storage gateway and have heard of Tape Gateway. Okay, and how many people are actually utilizing it in production? Couple of hands there. And how many people have plans to utilize it? Okay, so it looks like you've come to the right session. We have a good mix of audience, some who are more advanced users probably have deeper technical questions, and then some who are here to learn the basics. So this is how the session will flow today from an agenda perspective. I will talk about the backup challenges at a very high level. We'll show you what the legacy backup and recovery architecture looks like. Then we'll talk about what the options available to you for backing up to AWS. Then we'll dive deep into what is storage gateway, specifically what is tape gateway, what are its capabilities, what are its benefits, how you can optimize running your storage gateway, and what are the metrics that are available to you to measure the health and performance of your gateway. And then I'll hand it over to Pat to talk through on their journey to cloud for backups. Pat will hand it over to Mohammed for a demo, and will come back to me for a closing. We'll also do a Q&A at the end, and in case we get kicked out of this room, we'll be standing outside here with some of my other colleagues as well to make sure your questions get answered. Okay, so let's take a look at the backup challenges facing you, our customers at the macro level today. So IDC predicts that the world's information is doubling every two years, and the volume of digital data is growing 40 to 50% per year and it will reach 160 zettabytes by 2025. That's really a lot of data. And if you're in charge of IT for storage and backup recovery in your company, your challenge is not only where to store this data for legal and compliance purposes, but how you can restore and recover that data when there is a need. And this is where cloud can come in to help you overcome these challenges. So let's take a look at what the backup and recovery looks like before cloud. So this is legacy architecture. Here you have your application servers that are protected by a backup server or a media server running backup orchestration and management software, reading data from your primary storage systems, and creating a copy of that data to local nearline disk or to tape. And Typically, the most recent data is kept on-premises and then aged to tape, which is then sent to an off-site vaulting provider or your own vaulting facility for long-term storage and protection. Now, what we have heard from customers is that they would like to move away from this sometimes thankless task of managing the backup infrastructure and reduce the amount of physical tapes that they have in the infrastructure, but do so in such a way that it does not disrupt their existing data protection practices, and it also allows them to maintain their RPO and RTO. And this is where the cloud can come in to help you address these needs. So AWS provides a comprehensive set of tools and capabilities to help you back up your data from your data centers to AWS. 
And we have all kinds of customers utilizing the cloud to replace physical tapes, stream, streamline their backup processes, and simplify the archivals. AWS provides a range of services, starting with storage for storing your backups to online and offline data movement to help you move that data from on-premises to the cloud. And to the, the data security and management services to help you protect and manage that data once it's in AWS. So we have storage services such as Amazon S3 for storing your backups. We also have low-cost archival storage services such as Glacier for storing your backups. We also have other services with respect to block storage and file storage. And then if you talk about the data movement services, for online data movement, we have services such as Direct Connect, Kinesis, Amazon S3 Transfer Acceleration, Storage Gateway. And most recently, just yesterday, we launched two new services. One is called AWS Transfer for SFTP, and another one is called AWS Data Sync. And then there's Snowball for offline data movement. And then on the your right-hand side here, you see data security and management services. So we have a complete set of tools and capabilities to help you build secure, reliable, and scalable backup and restore solutions for your on-premises data into the cloud. Now that we have looked at the backup and recovery challenge and what AWS has to offer, let's take a quick look at what are some of the cloud backup benefits. So the AWS storage services are built for optimal durability and availability. So you can access your data anytime, anywhere you want with maximum amount of uptime and 11 nines of durability. And I was, as I was mentioning in the previous slide, we have multiple storage options, starting with file, block, and object to meet your data performance, criticality, scaling, and compliance needs. We also have the cost-effective purchase model using a pay-as-you-go model. So rather than you having to purchase tomorrow's capacity at today's price, you're basically only paying for the services as you consume them. And then you can scale your consumption as your needs grow. We also offer simplified administration through automation. So you can regularly back up your data based on the schedules that are defined by your business rules and you can also recover the data when there's a need. And most importantly, once your data is in the, in the cloud, and depending on what format it is available in, you can use AWS services ranging from big data to analytics to machine learning to really extract insights from that data and drive better business outcomes. So let's take a look at what are the options available to you for backing your data to cloud. And here on the bottom of the slide, you have your data sources in your data centers needing to be backed up to the cloud on the right-hand side. And we like to think of you as having three options for backing your data to cloud. First one is DIY or do-it-yourself. So you have your own application servers. You have access and connectivity to the cloud and to stitch a backup solution together, you basically have your homegrown scripts or you're tapping into AWS APIs to build that solution. It's a bit of a crude method, but it's always an option when you can't find a solution that meets your needs or your budget. The second one here is cloud connectors. So quite a bit of backup software vendors have built direct integration into S3 whereby they allow customers to back up that data to S3 while keeping a catalog and indexing and everything needed for that backups within the backup software. And the last option here is Storage Gateway, which is what today's session is focused on. So the Storage Gateway is ideal for customers who want to work with data locally as well as in the cloud. Let's take a look at how Storage Gateway really helps simplify your existing physical tape-based backup infrastructure. So here is your kind of traditional backup infrastructure for tapes. You have trucks coming in to your premises, leaving 
with tapes or bringing more tapes that have expired and chewing up your valuable data center floor space. Also have an oven here, uh, which Pat is going to talk about, very interesting story, so I won't steal his thunder there. And if you bring AWS Storage Gateway into the picture, you can jettison some of that old guard technologies, and now you can back up straight from your backup server to the cloud through the Storage Gateway. So let's take a look at how Storage Gateway makes that possible. So the AWS Storage Gateway service is a hybrid storage gateway service, allowing your applications to seamlessly use AWS Storage. AWS Storage Gateway is typically deployed in your on-premises data centers, in your existing storage environment, in your remote locations, branch offices. And it presents industry standard storage protocol interfaces to your applications, such that you don't need to rewrite any of your applications or change any of your workflows. And then on the right, on the right hand side, the storage gateway connects to the various storage services in AWS Cloud, such as S3, EBS, and Glacier. And the storage gateway is also integrated with other identity access and management services, such as IAM, KMS, CloudWatch, CloudTrail. So you can get an extension of those services locally to your on-premises gateway as well. Now, this session is particularly focused on tape gateway, but I just wanted to present this slide to show you that the storage gateway comprises of three different types of gateways, the file gateway, the volume gateway, and the tape gateway. And you can think of utilizing each of these gateways for your backup needs. So the file gateway presents NFS or SMB shares that you can utilize for your database log file backups and that data is stored in Amazon S3 as native objects. The volume gateway presents storage LUNs using iSCSI connectivity. So if your applications need backing up to a block store, you can do that using volume gateway. And then finally, there is the tape gateway, which presents virtual tapes out to backup applications for backing up to AWS. So let's take a look at why you would want to utilize Tape Gateway, what are its benefits. So the Tape Gateway provides a great drop-in replacement for your physical tape-based infrastructure. It scales seamlessly as your business needs grow, and it eliminates the operational burden of scaling, provisioning, and maintaining your physical tape infrastructure. It supports multiple backup applications, as I will show later on. And you also have multiple options to deploy your tape gateway on. And I'll be discussing this later in the presentation. It offers a great TCO compared to the physical tape-based backups. It helps you archive your data to the cloud in the most cost-effective manner using Glacier. And then you can continue to utilize your existing backup apps that you're using today for backups with the tape gateway. Tape Gateway also offers a lot of compliances that a lot of our customers need in regulated industries that are listed here. With Tape Gateway, when the backup software exports or ejects the tape, the Tape Gateway marks that tape as read-only and moves it to Glacier. When you retrieve the tape back, it will come back in read-only mode. So you can be assured that no one else has tampered with the data, or someone mistakenly does not overwrite over the tape. The data is also encrypted on wire, so when the storage gateway is running on your premises and it's transferring data to the storage gateway service running in the cloud, it utilizes HTTPS for the data transfer. And then for data at rest in cloud, you have the ability to encrypt your data server side using default keys, or you can utilize KMS, which means you can utilize your own keys for encrypting the tapes. And then with respect to performance, the tape gateway offers a local cache. So the tape gateway resides 
on-premises next to your backup app, so it provides that faster backup time and recovery time. You can restore your data that's archived to Glacier in three to five hours. And Tape Gateway also compresses the data prior to upload to the cloud so that we can get some data efficiency benefits also using Tape Gateway. So let's take a look at what's new with the Tape Gateway since last reInvent. As you know, we like to hear from our customers and constantly work to incorporate their feedback in our roadmap and planning. And this here is a list of what all has been requested by our customers this year. So in general, you will see support for more backup applications, support for additional regions, support for KMS. We added PCI DSS compliance for the payment card industry. We added support for hardware appliance, so you have one more form factor you can deploy your tape gateway on. And just a couple of weeks ago, we added two qualifications for backup applications. We added support for IBM Spectrum Protect and Bacula Enterprise 10, which was requested from a lot of our customers. And we also qualified newer versions of the backup software that was already supported before. And we also made performance improvements. So this is throughput performance improvement to the tape gateway, as that was a top ask from our customers. So now with the improved performance, you can get in-cache writes up to 2.3 gigabits per second. So essentially the data that you're writing to the cache on the gateway, and then your downloads from the cloud to the gateway for the data that you need, and that's not there in the cache, it's up to 0.6 gigabits per second. So let's take a look at how Tape Gateway works, especially the backup. So as Muhammad will show later on in the presentation, you will create virtual tapes on the gateway that are presented to your backup application using iSCSI connectivity. And the backup application can write data to those tapes. When the backup application is writing data to the tapes, your data is essentially in something we call as virtual tape library, which is your data is in Amazon S3. And when you think that you have return enough data to that tape and now you don't no longer need it, you can export or reject or unmount that tape from the backup software, which essentially causes the tape gateway to mark that tape as read-only and move that tape to Glacier. As I was mentioning earlier, tape gateway is supported with a list of popular backup applications that are out there. And you can see the two new additions in the ecosystem here. Again, if you have requests to add any other backup application that you don't see here, please feel to reach out to us through your account teams, your support teams, or through forums. Just wanted to show you quickly how the backup applications show up in the storage gateway console, making it easy for you to really connect to that backup application. So when you go to the AWS management console and go to create a new gateway, you'll be presented with the option that you see here on the left-hand side. And there's a drop-down for backup application, which will show all the backup applications that are qualified with the tape gateway and it will show the tape drive type as well along with the backup application. You can select one of the backup application and then you can go in and create the gateway. So let's take a look at how does the restore work. So you can restore your data that you had archived before the tape gateway to any gateway running anywhere. So you can restore that tape to a gateway on-premises. It does not have to be the same gateway from which you backed up your data. Or you can spin up an EC2 instance in AWS and run tape gateway there to restore your data. What happens for restore is if you have archived your tapes, you will go to the storage gateway console 
and you will click on retrieve to retrieve that tape from Glacier to BTL in Amazon S3. So that takes about three to five hours. And then once the tape is in virtual tape library, then you can present the tape out to your backup application for recovery and restore. So this here is a slide on cost comparison between tape gateway and your on-premises tape, physical tape-based infrastructure. So this is showing you a customer example where every month 100 terabytes of data was backed up and the customer does a single tape retrieval and the retention time is one year. As you can see, the tape gateway offers compelling value proposition in terms of TCO. In this example, 40% less than physical tape-based infrastructure. So there is really like no reason for you not to utilize tape gateway to replace your physical tape-based backup infrastructure. Next, let me just discuss tape gateway pricing. So the slide is a bit wordy, but I'll just make it simple. So there are three aspects to tape gateway pricing. There are three dimensions you can think of. One is storage. So what type of storage you are utilizing and what class of storage. So if your tape is in virtual tape library, you'll be charged S3 rate. When you have archived your tape, you'll be in Glacier, so you'll be charged the Glacier rate. And I'm showing here the price for US North Virginia region. Would recommend you to go to the website to to see the price for the region that you want to connect to. So storage is your first dimension. The second one here is request. So how much data is being returned to AWS from your gateway? And that is capped at $125 per gateway per month. And there is one additional element in that if you want to like retrieve data to your tape gateway, data that you had archived before, there's an initial charge for that. So request is second dimension. And then the third dimension is data transfer. So how much data is being transferred out from the storage gateway service running in the cloud to your on-premises gateway or the gateway that you are running in EC2? So these are essentially the three elements of pricing. As I was mentioning earlier, Storage gateway is available on a wide variety of form factors. So if you take a look at the leftmost column, you can run storage gateway on a virtual machine on ESXi or Hyper-V. Typically, in your data centers, when you have personnel to manage it, as well as the know-how to manage it. Then the one option in the middle is running tape gateway in EC2, or storage gateway in EC2 which is when you need to do in-cloud retrieval or access of the data or disaster recovery. And the third option that you see here on the right-hand side is the latest one we introduced a couple of months ago, which is called Storage Gateway on Hardware Appliance. And this is typically used by our customers when they, they have constrained VM infrastructure and they want to deploy Storage Gateway in their remote locations or branch offices. It provides a real simplified way to get you started. So rather than you having to go to multiple teams within your company to get compute, to get storage, to get network, instead of that, you just get a turnkey appliance that you can take in and deploy yourself. So I'm showing here tape gateway configuration options and thresholds. Won't go through in detail in each of them, but the first table here is for gateway. So on the tape gateway, you need to allocate storage for cache as well as upload buffer. So that's the range that we support. And the virtual tape size, the minimum tape size that's supported is 100 gigabytes, uh, gigabytes, and max is 2.5 terabytes. And with respect to the tape-specific parameters, we support up to 1,500 tapes in the virtual tape library, but there is no limit to the number of tapes that you can archive in Glacier or no limit to the amount of data that you can archive in Glacier as well. 
Next, let me discuss some of the best practices for you to run your tape gateway. And again, these are more generic in nature, but I figured it would be good to give you a flavor so you can utilize this in your own environment. The first one is make sure you are choosing the right platform to run your storage gateway on. So you're choosing the right form factor, as I was describing earlier. VMs or hard hardware appliance, ideal for on-premises deployment and tape gateway in EC2 for recovery in EC2, or if you want to do a quick proof of concept functionality of tape gateway. The second one here is make sure you're assigning the right memory, CPU, network, and storage requirements for your VMs. Generally, if you're assigning SSD, that better disk performance results in better throughput, better latency, and better IOPS. So that's good if you can assign uh, SSDs. And as I was mentioning earlier, you will have to assign storage for cache and upload buffer for the gateway. And we would recommend that you don't utilize the same underlying physical disk, if possible, because that can act as bottleneck for both cache and upload buffer. And then the third thing is make sure you're using the right type of network connectivity and speed for connectivity between a backup application and the tape gateway, and between tape gateway and AWS. So between tape gateway and AWS, as you know, we offer connectivity through the public internet or VPN, or through a direct connect, or a one gig or 10 gig link. So make sure you select the right type of network connectivity and speed to meet your backup and restore requirements. And then more advanced or typical scenarios that we have heard from customers is customers say that I need to backup X amount of data in Y hours, right? So the tape gateway scales better in terms of throughput when you're writing to multiple tapes at the same time on a single gateway, as well as you can scale throughput across multiple gateways. So if you have a need, make sure you are utilizing the numbers that I mentioned earlier in order to, to dimension your tape gateways. The second one here is make sure you're optimizing the tape gateway IO performance. So the tape gateway supports block size up to one megabyte in size now. And make sure if your backup software supports larger block size, you're utilizing it. As you know, tapes are large block sequential writes. So if you can utilize larger block size, that will generate better performance. And when you're doing that, also make sure that the host initiator supports the, the block size that's utilized by the backup software. And then lastly, you say, I want faster restore times. So you have to make sure that you are sizing your gateway cache appropriately. As I was showing you earlier, we support cache size up to 16 terabytes. So if you have a need to access certain amount of backups, certain type of capacity, and you want that access fast, then you can size your cache appropriately. Okay, and then we also have a list of metrics, CloudWatch metrics that are available to you to measure the health and performance of your gateway. I've mentioned the CloudWatch namespace here for storage gateway, and this list is not meant to be comprehensive, but I just wanted to show you some of the key metrics that you would want to watch out for to measure the performance of your gateway, such as the latency of your application writes to the tape gateway, the latency of your data upload and download to and from the cloud to the gateway. CloudWatch also has certain metrics that are listed here, and you can set up alarms as you want. So when these metrics cross predefined thresholds, you can get notifications, and you can be proactive about the measures you want to take for example, if you want to increase the cache size, then you can keep an eye on the cache-related metrics that are mentioned here. 
Okay, I think I've talked enough now. So that was my, my slide before I hand it over now to Pat to walk through on their journey to cloud for backups. Uh, we'll take questions later. Yeah, so once we finish the flow, we'll take questions. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bhavan. Yeah. Uh, my name is Patrick Coffey. I am a systems administrator at Analog Devices. Uh, and I'm going to basically go through how we ended up with uh, Tape Gateway. So Analog Devices is what it says up on the screen. Uh, it's a very convoluted way of saying something very fancy. What we really do is, and what we specialize in is anywhere where physics meets digital, analog devices has a place, a solution, or wants to have a solution in that place. Uh, so anytime you're dealing with humidity, uh, altitude, velocity, rotation, uh, we do that well, and, and that's what we're known for. So that's uh, who analog devices is uh, that is not me, but I have worn that suit many times. Uh, basically, I'm manufacturing IT. So what my team is responsible for is any manufacturing infrastructure upgrades, any migrations, disaster recovery, which is why I'm here today, uh, manufacturing and test tool support, you know, inside the fab, outside the fab, basically, uh, anything that impacts production, manufacturing, IT, has a hand in. Uh, so that's what I do there. What, uh, what got me up on stage today was this is what it was like uh, before I started. You know, when I started at Analog Devices, I was sort of given the project of the backups, you know, uh, and it was a disaster. Backups were being queued up for days. By the time the, back, the, the data was actually being backed up, the data was no longer valid because it was days old. Uh, you know, I, I saw the disaster and I wanted to fix it, so I came up with a couple proposals. You know, I, I came up with the proposal that we go from LTO4 to LTO6. LTO6 has read capability of LTO4, so it wouldn't be that big of a change. We'd be able to slowly migrate uh, to LTO6. I also came up with a virtual tape library, physical on-prem uh, virtual tape library solution. And, uh, and I was also looking at, we use EMC Networker, uh, so I was looking at data domain. I was looking at different software solutions to get dedupe and, and other things that would help with the contention for these queued backups. Uh, at the same time that all of this is happening, oh. All of those got denied, by the way, due to cost. Uh, every single one of them. We had, a very, we had just gone through an acquisition, so our, our capital expenditure limit was very low. Uh, all of my proposals were sort of shot down. It's very hard to prove revenue with backup software. <laughs> I, can, I, can, you know, I can talk about potential loss of revenue for days. It never worked. Every single proposal got denied. Uh, so at the same time, we had 30-year-old data. This was a couple years ago. So we had 30-year-old data. I'm 32 years old. I was looking at tapes that were older than I was, that were literally made the month I was born on these nine-track tapes. And boxes and boxes of these were coming into my office every week from uh, Iron Mountain. And so that's my cube. On the, on the left there, it's just stacks of these nine track tapes. Uh, and of course, it's manufacturing, so we can never delete anything. So I was given a project that I needed to convert those nine track tapes to LTO4, which is what that machine on the right does. Uh, needless to say, it, uh, it didn't go according <laughs> to plan. Uh, every time I tried to do a transfer from the 9-track tape to LTO4, a black residue would show up on the, the device, and it kept happening. The transfer kept failing, so I called the vendor and I said, this is the situation. How do I, how do I get this data off of these tapes? And they said, oh, we have a solution for that. I was like, oh, thank God. What is it? They're like, you've got to go out and you've got to buy a bread oven. 
and you bake the tapes at 140 degrees for seven hours. <laughs> and that'll remagnetize the tapes in order for you to be able to read them. Uh, the only problem with that was that the bread oven was also above the capex <laughs> limit. <laughs> and, and we weren't really going to put a bread oven in our data center, so I, I kind of walked into my manager's office and I was like, we, no, no, we can't do this. Uh, so I, I didn't really have a hard decision to make. It was kind of made for me. It was either buy a bread oven or say no. Um, so I finally got them to get rid of the old 30-year tapes. Uh, so what ended up happening was that our data continued to grow, backups continued to queue up, uh, our hardware was going to soon be out of contract. You know, anytime you buy, if anyone here has bought hardware, I'm sure you have, uh, you basically, the second you buy it, it starts a timeline. They'll support it for five years, and then they'll bleed you dry to support it for another couple years, and then after that, no amount of money in the world will help them, will, will get them to support your hardware. So our uh, existing virtual tape library, one of our LTO4 tape libraries and our networker server was all at this point. And so I was tasked with fix this problem without going over CapEx. Uh, the cost of warehousing, the data was also increasing. Obviously, more data means more tapes. More tapes means more warehousing. You know, costs are going up, and, and they want costs to go down. It's manufacturing. Uh, so what happened? So a change, we had a big, we had an acquisition, uh, a big acquisition. We had a big change and a push to change the culture. We had a big push and a big reorg, which sort of took manufacturing IT and merged it with another group, the systems engineering group, which was uh, already using, you know, whispers of, of cloud computing had been heard in that group, whereas in the existing manufacturing group, cloud was a deal breaker, everything was on-prem, everything was redundant, no matter what, forever, cloud is never an option. And so all of a sudden, cloud became an option. I jumped for joy. But uh, so I started looking up different solutions. I, I ended up looking at, you know, different cloud providers. I ended up with Storage Gateway uh, because it worked the best for what I needed it to do. You know, uh, with the tape gateway, it looks exactly the same in our network or software, in our backup software. Uh, so that means I don't need to train anybody new on how to use it. It looks the same. I don't need new SOPs. Uh, there's no change to customer requirements. All of that stuff stays the same. Uh, and I could also get it off the ground, tested, and set up for minimal cost. So under the capital expenditure limit that we were on, uh, which was huge. So I went to my manager. I said, hey, I could do this. We can set it up. We can test it. And he basically gave me the OK. So I did, and it worked. Uh, so there's a couple things that, that are a little different in manufacturing. Uh, uptime is king. Uh, we had to figure out a way in order to build this out and test it and support it without impacting production at all, like with a 10-foot pole. So uh, luckily, with Tape Gateway, it was very easy to set up a redundant backup environment where we could run these backups redundantly without touching our manufacturing environment. We can do a, a uh, proof of concept. The proof of concept could be approved, and uh, all without going over what we were currently spending on what it costs to vault our tapes every month. Uh, so as you can see, the picture on the left is our current physical backup environment. The vast majority of 
that hardware is no longer supported, and there's no amount of money in the world that will get HP to support it any longer. Uh, and then the, the picture on the right is the AWS-based backup environment. Uh, as you can see, the, the picture on the left, a lot more can go wrong with that from a hardware perspective. So the one on the right makes me feel better, uh, in manufacturing at least. So uh, where do we go from here? Our next steps are, we, like we just completed redundancy, so we're completely redundant on running both physical tape backups and virtual tape backups to AWS. Uh, the proof of concept has been approved. We, we got the go ahead to start shutting down uh, our physical tape backups. And our, my goal is to be completely off of physical tapes within one year. Uh, I think that would be great because we waste a lot of time on you know, tape libraries and you know, sending tapes to Iron Mountain, doing tape manifests, all of that stuff. All of that gets cut out of the equation with AWS. It's very simple to go in and do whatever you need to do from web UI as opposed to going across the street to the physical tape library, uh, as well as you know, uh, working with AWS. These, these guys have been super helpful in adding features, listening to, to our requirements, what we'd like to see. Uh, and it's, it's nice to have somebody who actually listens and then implements the solutions that you provide. You know, I, I've talked to many companies and given them plenty of good ideas, and they just say yes, 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 and then you never see it in the actual product, whereas uh, a couple times now, you guys have surprised us with stuff actually being in the next release after we say something. So uh, with that, I'm going to pass it off to Mohammed, who's going to do a tape gateway demo just to show you guys how easy it is to set up. And with that, thank you. <sighs> Hello, and uh, thank you, Pat and Pavan, for your presentation. So my name is uh, Mohammed, and I'm a solutions architect uh, in London. And today, I'm going to present to you a demo on Storage Gateway. So basically, how to back up a tape in 10 minutes only. So in my demo, I pre-deployed the gateway on an EC2 instance, but in the, with the like, recommended memory sizing. But in the usual uh, scenarios, you would deploy that on a hypervisor, either on-premises using uh, VMware or Hyper-V, or with the new hardware appliance where you get like a Dell server with pre-installed uh, storage gateway on it. So now I'm going to show you how to create a new tape gateway and then create a new virtual tape on that gateway. Also connect that gateway to your client. Afterwards, I would import that tape. And then I would do a backup operation, and then an archiving operation, and then retrieving of that tape. So let's get started. Should be here. Okay. Can you show me if this mirroring or something? Okay, so here I'm going to my storage gateway console, and here is the tape gateway. And as you can see, 
there is a hint or a note saying that I need to allocate local storage. And since this gateway is deployed on EC2 instance, so I deployed uh, EBS volumes. So EBS is Elastic Block Store and it's the block storage uh, service from AWS. So as you can see here, if I go to my EC2 instances and then I go to Elastic Block Store, I have two EBS volumes as a cache and an upload buffer. On premises, you would allocate that usually from your data store in VMware or in Hyper-V. So going back to my gateway, I just allocate the storage, one for the cache and one for the upload buffer. And then I would say, and that's it. So the thing about storage gateway is that you can create tape sizes more than the size of the storage that you actually allocate to the cache and upload buffer. So you can create tape sizes from 100 gigabytes to 2.5 terabytes. So it, how it works is that the most recent data is stored on the cache and, or on-premises, and then the rest is stored in the cloud. So what I'm gonna do is that, although I allocated, for example, uh, 150 gigabytes for cache, I can allocate one terabyte of tape, and then I can see like a barcode, BBAA, and then create a tape. Okay, and as you can see here, my tape is available. So let's see how can I connect to my Windows client afterwards. So going to my client, I would go to iSCSI, and then I would go to uh, the target or discovery, whichever, and then I would get the IP of my gateway from here, and then going back to my client, sorry, it's not this one, it's So going here, I'll just paste the IP and click on Quick Connect. As you can see here, there are 11 targets that appear. So the tape gateway provides you with a tape drive, uh, with 10 tape drives and one media changer. So you can do 10 simultaneous backups at the same time. So I'll just connect them very quickly. Okay, it should be okay. Here I am using backup exec, uh, backup software, and there are a list of supported softwares that you can find here on the AWS documentation. And each backup software, we have provided the steps on how to test it with your gateway. So for backup exec, I'm using those steps on how to test it on my gateway. So I would go here, and then I would restart all the services. Restarting all the services would show you which libraries are connected to your client. So it would just take a few seconds here. Until it restarts, afterwards the slots should appear and then I should be able to import my tape that I created and then do a simple backup operation on it. Okay, we're getting there, awesome. And then I would go to storage.
Yes. So here is my robotic library. And here I would go to slots. And then I would just import my tape that I created. So right click on this. Import media now. And then I would just respond, okay. Just taking a few seconds to appear right now. Yes, respond okay. And in a few seconds, the tape should appear. Here it is. Now I have a sample backup file that I want to backup, so I go to backup and restore, and then one-time backup, just for demo purposes. One-time backup to tape. And then here would appeal all your uh, client components. So I'll just go to the file that I want to backup. Once it starts loading, yes. Click on Edit. And then go here. And here's my backup file, 50 megabytes. OK, OK. And now you see that the tape would move from the slots to the tape drive. So if I go here back to the storage, you see there is no, nothing in the slots. But if I go to the tape library, you would find it in the tape drive because there is a backup operation on it. If you want to monitor that, you can go to Job Monitor. And this would tell you how is the status of the backup. So for example, the job status is processing now. And the thing is that after the backup operation is done, it would move from the tape drive going back to the slot. So all these slots, we're talking about S3 pricing, which is called the virtual tape library. Imagine it like this. So in your physical environment, when you have like a tape library and then you have your tape slots, and then afterwards you eject it. You put it on a shelf with a barcode. This is when Glacier comes into place. So now the job has been successful. So going back to the storage, and then to the slots, the tape would appear here in a few seconds. And then I would show you how to eject it. And the status of the tape in the AWS console would be shown as archived, which means that it's in Glacier now. Okay, just a few seconds, and yes, here's the tape. So to eject it, I would just right-click on it, export media, and then export media now, and it should disappear from here. After I respond, okay, and that's it. So as you can see, it's not here anymore. Going back to the storage week console, I can go here and check the tapes. So as you can see, it's in transit to VTS, which means virtual tape shelf, and then it would be archived, meaning that it would be in Glacier now. So for testing purposes and demo purposes, I already retrieved the tape. So retrieving a tape means that you get it back from Glacier and put it back to the VTL or the virtual tape library to be on S3. And as Bhavan mentioned, it would be as a read-only tape to protect it from being righted afterwards. So I already retrieved the tape on another gateway, and it looks like this. So if I go to the slots, it's the same thing. I would just import it. Yes, and here is the tape which is retrieved and it's read only. So here I pass it back to Bhavan, and uh, thank you very much. Yeah.
Thanks, Mohammed. So hopefully you got a good taste of how easy it is to operate Tape Gateway. What is that clicker? Yes. Okay. Just uh, in summary, there's many benefits of migrating to Tape Gateway. Tape Gateway provides a great drop-in replacement for your physical tape-based infrastructure, and it offers a great, compelling value proposition that I was describing earlier in terms of TCO. So where can you go to learn more about Tape Gateway? So there is our URL that you can visit. It has many resources, videos, white papers to help you get started with the Tape Gateway. We have more sessions as well related to Storage Gateway. So if you have more interest to know about Storage Gateway and the other types of gateways, I would recommend you to come to these sessions. And I think we have time for a few questions. A few questions. Yes. Who has a question? Yeah. You'll win a sticker. Uh, Dylan is with the mic here. So if anyone has a question, feel free to raise hand. So if you wanted to get out of the tape business and the virtual tape business, um, is it possible to back up to the file gateway? And is it, are all those softwares listed, Beam, Networker, are they compatible with the AWS file gateway as well? Yeah, so the file gateway essentially provides you know, NFS and SMB shares. And what we have seen so far, it's great if you have like database log files that you want to back up. So we haven't actually tested with all that backup software uh, that were listed earlier. That's what we have done for tape gateway specifically. But we do have customers who are utilizing native database utilities to present shares from the file gateway to those applications and then write backup to the file gateway that way. Thank you. Um, do you have a timeline for when the storage gateway will be authorized at FedRAMP High for GovCloud? Sorry, so what was that question? I don't. The, I, the sorry, question I was when the storage gateway would be certified or for FedRAMP High on GovCloud, which maybe we should talk about later. Yeah, let's talk offline. We do have certain plans, so we can certainly talk to you about and understand your timing as well. So right now, we have it on our wish list. We, ha we don't have it committed to the plan. We are thinking sometime in 2019, but we haven't solidified on when exactly in 2019 that will happen. Uh, so, yeah. So what happens, I'm, I'm talking specifics to IBM storage, uh, Spectre Protect. Yeah. Um, as a good backup administrator, you've got to run um, housekeeping every day. So you have to replace your volumes on a daily basis, otherwise it will flood up. So if a volume goes from your S3 to Glacier, and it, it's in the read-only, how long does it take for the volume from Glacier to come back to S3, and then you have to run your housekeeping to reclaim all the tape? Yes, yeah, so. Can you summarize the question, Bhavan, before answering? Yeah, the question was around customer utilizing Spectrum Protect for backups and what happens when the tapes get archived into Glacier and you need to do certain housekeeping functions back in the Spectrum Protect software, right? So you wouldn't eject the tape from the backup software from Spectrum Protect until you have confirmed that you no longer want to write to that tape. So only then you will eject it, which means until you do that, you can continue to write that to that tape. You can continue to utilize whatever housekeeping function you're doing in Spectrum Protect. When you export or eject or unmount, right, different backup software vendors utilize different terms for that, only then the tape gets marked as read-only and goes to Glacier. And then when you want to retrieve it, you would 
go to AWS Storage Gateway Console and say, I want to retrieve this tape. And that way, the gateway will then bring that tape from Glacier or virtual tape shelves into S3, which is virtual tape library, which takes about three to five hours. And once that tape is in virtual tape library, then you can present it to your Spectrum Protect application. OK. I think we are getting kicked out. So I have several colleagues who are here to answer your questions. Yeah, thanks again for your time. And hopefully, you get some actionable insight out of this uh, session that you can bring to your workplace. Thanks.